where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, we're about to get crazy uh, because I have Reverend Kyle on the podcast. You know, the I, I guess I, I don't have many words to describe how excited I am to have you on this show, Rev, but but thanks so much for coming. Sure. So, so all right, I don't have... I don't have any questions off, off, like written down, okay? So we're just going to chat. Um, <laughs> and, and the first thing that I have in my mind is uh, what do you think is going to be the impact of virtual reality on the world's religion? Religion. Oh, so we're just going to dig right into it. <laughs> we're going in. We're going in, man. We're going in deep. It's about to get crazy. Well, okay, religion, hmm, I wonder why you're asking about that. Uh, yeah, well, uh, being an ordained minister, uh, no, that, I won't go that route. Um, you know, religion is uh, a lot different than, you know, th there's faith and there's religion. So yeah, how it's going to affect people's faith, I don't think it will. How it will affect organized religion, though, is a completely different creature. I, I have a feeling that we're going to see... Uh, virtual churches and virtual congregations. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think some of that already kind of does exist in some of the little known metaverses like, you know, Second Life and things like that. So, yeah, I have a feeling we're going to see more of that booming as time goes on. Do you are you uh, do you think that there's going to be a bit of a, a recoil or a knee jerk reaction from 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 people who are uh, I don't, I, it's super religious, and all of a sudden, it, there's going to be this technology that is going to seem like science fiction to them. Um, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's 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 similar to what if all of a sudden aliens decided to land and come out and say, "Hey, guess what? We don't have any religion." And you know, what what in the world are you guys doing? People would spaz out. They they wouldn't have any idea what to do with that. Um, you know, the 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 some groups will try to evangelize them and other groups will go, ha ha ha, see, we told you there's no need for this. Uh, so, you know, is virtual reality going to have that same kind of impact? I don't know. Uh, is there going to be any type of throwback? That's a good question. Hmm. Um, I don't know. That, 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 that's a tough one. I, I, that's one of those like wait and see kind of things for me. Hmm. I don't, I don't, and it's, <laughs> so I'm sitting here in my den and I'm doing this podcast and as I'm talking about religion, there's thunder and lightning going on <laughs> outside. <laughs> How appropriate. Oh man. Oh yeah. So I don't know. Uh, that, that, that's a good question though. It's uh, definitely going to be an interesting world in five years. Oh hell yeah. Um, did you have any imaginary friends growing up when you were a little kid? And this is completely <laughs> uh, this is completely out of the blue kind of question because I want to talk about imaginary friends out of out of the blue. I, I, I you know it's funny I I did when I was a kid I did have an imaginary friend, um, and in having four children of my own, uh, three of the four children 
uh, actually also had imaginary friends, and I believe my wife uh, had one when she was a kid. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm watching my, my, my three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old, uh, just recently discovered her little imaginary friend, Emily. And Emily goes everywhere with us now. Uh, it's, it's an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, I had to try to relate that to VR somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we, here we go. This is where my, where I'm going to relate it to VR. Uh, I, you know, so I want to bring my, uh, imaginary friends back to life with VR. Uh, and sort of like, you know, how you play as Master Chief and you have Cortana. That is not supposed to happen. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, uh, you, you, like you'll have like a companion in VR, like, uh, you know, we was just in VR chat and I see Dark Akuma and he's Navi from Legend of Zelda. And I'm like, dude, that's my imaginary friend right there. Like I want Dark Akuma, dude, can you just like play the role for a little bit? Um, but yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. Like I'm trying to figure out, uh, if we could have companions in VR, like companion AI that could follow us around and give us hints. As, you know, in ways to na navigate the metaverse. Um, but I don't know. That's kind of crazy. What do you think? Well, no, no, it's, it's a good question. It's something I've actually explored, believe it or not. Uh, everybody is very familiar with my uh, ridiculous game that I created, uh, Teddy Bears versus Land Sharks. And, you know, I, I don't expect anybody to ever play that or think it's a good game. It was just me screwing around and, and playing in Unity and, and testing the waters, per se. Uh, but, you know, people keep joking, oh, when, when are we going to see the sequel? When are we going to see the sequel to it? Um, and it would have to be as ridiculous as the first. Uh, but it, it got me thinking, you know, everybody wants cockpit games because they are so uh, easy to handle. People with motion sickness or simulator sickness uh, can handle cockpit games a little bit better. And I thought, well, what if it doesn't have to be a cockpit game? I mean, what is it exactly about the cockpit that gives people this this feeling of comfort? And I realized it's because you have something fixed in front of you that you can focus on. Mm -hmm. And so what if you had, uh, in, in, in this example, teddy bears lead you through the forest or lead you through the world? They would be your AI cockpit. And so they would walk in front of you at a certain pace at a certain distance, and they would give you that to focus on and then lead you through. And then ultimately sharks can come and eat them over time. But uh, <laughs> that, that was kind of my theory. Yeah, that you know that would be super interesting to see. I mean, just because of the, uh, the uh, and the reason why I think of that is because if if the metaverse is to become a billion user sort of place, I you it has to be accessible, and I think it's going to be a very foreign place for grandma and mom and dad, so that aren't very technically inclined. So you, you know, I figured it'd be an, an, an interesting way to implement a, a tool, an AI that would help them navigate and be their like companion. Like, hey, that's you know so and so's, you know that's Dark Akuma's VR chat room. You know, be careful if you go in there, you're gonna get trolled. Like, you know, like you're gonna yeah. get rig rolled. <laughs> but, yeah, that that room was uh, yeah. So Dark Akuma created a VR chat room, and it is. Uh, it is the troll room to end all troll rooms. I, I can't even begin to describe it. It is epically awesome. It's glorious. It truly is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, the, the, the whole idea of doing a Rickroll as you're falling down a uh, endless tunnel with troll faces wrapped around you, and then you get in and everybody's avatars are all wonky. And, uh, yeah, it just goes to show we're at that point now 
where we can start messing with people in VR chat. It's it's no longer like this. Oh, don't don't mess with people, or or they won't want to come back. No, now now we're now we're definitely screwing with people. <laughs> For sure. You know, at what point did you did you f realize that this this was it? This is the VR that we've been waiting for. You know, it's it's a funny question because um, I had actually okay. So uh, I'll take you back to the beginning. I Please I had do. done VR in the past. Uh, had done like virtuality and things like that, and everybody's heard that story a million times. But uh, you know, I, I knew that it was something fun. And, and uh, a buddy of mine and I used to go to the arcade at the mall. Uh, even when we were in high school, we, we kept going until they shut the damn thing down. Uh, it, it was uh, Cyber Sleds was, was this game that we played, and it was really bad, you know, uh, graphics. But it, it really gave you that feeling like you were playing against somebody, and it, it, it was very reminiscent of, like, Dactyl Nightmare and that sort of thing. And I really dug it. And, you know, time goes by, and things change, and, you know, you see things like Google Glass pop up. And then one day a guy, uh, a guy I work with, a buddy of mine, he sends me this email. He says, hey – have you seen this thing, this, this Oculus Rift? And I looked at it and I went, holy shit, here it is. Here it is. This is actually somebody's going to do it this time. And so I, I jumped on board. I've always been an early adopter of technology. And, uh, you know, I was on board. I, I'm an hip, a hipster Android user. I was on board with Android well before it was popular. And so, and obviously that was successful. Um, you know, VR to me, it, it as soon as I signed up and started watching videos and, and, you know, waiting for my riff to show up, uh, it was all a lot of anticipation, but man, putting that rift on for the first time and, and actually trying it, uh, I, it'll never go back. <laughs> there's, there's, it's it, the Pandora's box has been opened. It can never be put back in. Yeah. That's what I, you know, thinking about this, like now Samsung and Oculus have this partnership going on. Sony's in the game, you know, that, um, and and I I have to say there must be others thinking about jumping in, you know, like other big players. Um, there's an, the, outside of Yellowstone erupting, I don't think there's anything that could stop uh, VR at this point. I mean, I, I, have you tried thinking really hard? There might be anything at all that might stop this. I I can't. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of stuff that can stop it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let, let's just look at it from the perspective of um, the, the mainstream media just tears it apart, makes it into the new devil, and, and just tells everybody that, oh, don't do this or you'll die, you know, that sort of thing. Because the mainstream media dictates that sort of thing. And, and I mean, we watch politics get all screwed up because of mainstream media we watch elections get botched up because of mainstream media <laughs> uh you know if, if if cnn and fox and uh msnbc and all these other big big names all of a sudden say hey don't do this vr because it's the devil uh, it's just going to cause a problem um you know another thing that could possibly happen is uh people are just getting sick and they tell their friends and they tell their neighbors and next thing you know everybody's like yeah this this is this is unnecessary and we don't need this let's put our let's put our, our tinfoil hats uh for a sec real quick because I, I i like where you're going in terms of the mainstream media painting it as something that is evil and should be avoided and and the reason you know i and i think about it like how who could why who could want uh, VR to fail? And you know it's just what I'm seeing right now with with Tesla, for example. You you're seeing uh, 
you know that one uh, governor in New Jersey he stopped uh, Tesla from being sold in New Jersey because the uh, car dealers had you know big influence on 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 the government and so now Teslas can't be sold in New Jersey even though they're much better than regular cars so so who who is going to have their lunch money being eaten by VR is it going to be the movie industry um, are they going to and I wonder like are they going to take a, a stance of like all right we're gonna fight this tooth and nail um, and eventually lose but we're gonna fight it for a while or are they going to adapt um, and that's where I, uh, you know, I, I, this is getting long rant, but that's where I see them uh, being in cahoots with the media because, uh, you know, I'm in, uh, I'm of the opinion that I think the, the media is just bought out by the big, big, big oligarchs and corporations. So I figured that's where, you know, the, the those would, would be the people who would pull those, the, the strings on, on, on the, on the media and, and changing public perception of VR. Sure. Let, let me let me adjust my uh, my foil hat here a bit, sure. and uh, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the the big conspiracy is that electric cars uh, don't exist in the way that they should now because the oil tycoons don't want their money flow to stop, and you know we we and we all know that the. Uh, the uh, you know the the big names in the oil companies they control the government and the politics and they got to keep that oil flowing so their money keeps pouring out of their pockets and they can continue to buy off more politicians and make the world run the way that they want to and skull and bones and all of that nonsense. Not to mention car dealers because exactly. That- yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot to there's a lot to be said there. So let let's take that and adapt it to virtual reality. Uh, what could possibly happen? Well, historically, if we look at it, uh, online shopping has killed the conventional mall, the strip mall. Uh, malls all around the Midwest are just empty, you know, husks of what they once were, uh, a bastion of consumerism. It's just gone. They're empty. They've been hollowed out. And uh, online uh, retailers have boomed and, and are, are very profitable and very successful. Uh, to move even further, uh, the music industry just struggled so hard because there was uh, Napster and LimeWire and, and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, it, it took Apple to say, hey, let, let's just embrace this type of delivery system. Let's do iTunes and let's actually make a profit off of this. And despite the whining of, you know, babies like Metallica, uh, you know, it ended up being a thing and it, and it works out and people purchase their stuff online now. Then we move into the movie industry and it's, you know, torrents and, and Pirate Bay and all of that stuff. It's like, oh, it's killing the movies and nobody wants to go spend 40 dollars $50, $60 at the movie theater to take their woman on a date. And, uh, you know, what happens? Things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and things like that, they start to create delivery systems. So and I know I'm ranting just as much, but, um, you know, VR is going to end up being one of those things as well. The, your question, though, is who? Whose jimmies are going to get rustled because VR is a big deal? Yes. Uh, I think it spans. I think it spans across many, many platforms. Uh, you know, social media, you can already tell just by going to VR Chat or Rift Max Theater, there's a lot of social aspects that are being developed for VR, uh, movie uh viewing and, and, you know, concerts. Hell, we've got karaoke once a week. Uh, so karaoke bars could be <laughs> in trouble. I, I think it spans, and I think it's why it's such an interesting medium because there's so many 
different uh, industries that could be affected by this. Yeah, it's and, and it just could be it could go either or, right? I mean, in terms of who who is going to adapt and who is going to fight, and yeah, it is it's you know it's sort of a relief in, in a sense knowing that. Facebook has Oculus, uh, to, you know, ha- Oculus has Facebook to back it up, back it up because, you know, those those deep bo- those deep pockets will come in handy once the lawsuits start uh, coming out, right? <clears throat> oh, it already has. I mean, that's yeah. you know, we we keep joking about the Oculus uh, lawsuit. It's like, okay, well, you know, are, are they starting to regret uh, their 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 claims now now that they're fighting against Facebook? over a matter of, uh, of pronunciation and plurals. I mean, it's just a silly, it's a silly legal battle and, and I can't wait to see the outcome of it, but, uh, I think it's going to probably drag on and on for a long time, but, uh, had Facebook bought them, you know, bought Oculus prior to that lawsuit, I don't think we would have ever seen it. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, Facebook was really smart, uh, to purchase Oculus and I think Oculus was smart to, uh, join in on that because, for one thing, Facebook as a platform will not be here in mm, 10 years. Uh, I almost said five, but I'm going to be generous. Uh, but the evolution of it, I think, is going to turn into something much bigger and broader. And it already has. It's shown itself over several years to get to be a lot more invasive. Well, I shouldn't say invasive. All-encompassing. Uh, and VR is just the next step. Do you what, what? Where do you see yourself in all of this five years from now? Where where would you where would you like to you know see yourself? It's a good question. It's one I ask myself on a regular basis. Uh, I'd love to be, uh, you know, doing episode five hundred of my podcast. Nice. Uh, that's a definite. Uh, I'd, I'd like to have a uh, a job in the VR industry. Uh, I, I can see myself possibly being part of a, uh, a marketing or a media group or, you know, similar to what uh, Cymatic Bruce does. My big challenge right now is that I'm, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio, which is the, you know, booming hub of nothingness. And so I'm going to have to move out to um, the greatest state in the greatest country in the world, to quote Palmer, uh, move to California. It's the place I want to be. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably going to happen uh, if the right offer uh, presents itself. We welcome you here with open arms, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so, what what is your? Let's give me your pie in the sky vision of what virtual reality will become in ten years, like. You know. Pie in the sky, I can do that. That's easy. Uh, having been bespectacled since uh, I was about six years old, I've had to wear glasses. I have terrible vision. Uh, I've always had a pair of glasses on my head. I would love VR to just embed itself into my current spectacles and have me be able to switch in between real life, virtual life, augmented life, uh, and it not be anything heavier than what I have now. And, uh, you know, I can imagine it needing to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit bigger just to cover. So sort of like what Doc Brown has in Back to the Future 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the exact form factor I'm looking for. Uh, and and just, just a, a beautiful wireless experience. And uh, it can just switch between whatever it is I want to do. What do you think is going to be the societal impacts of something like this? You know, when when you have this, because I, I I feel like what VR is 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 it's the I, I think it's the stepping stone into what will become a, a 
fusion of human and machine eventually. Um, because now I don't have to hold my computer in my hand to to type. Uh, you know, probably one day I'll just have it in my. Uh, you know, it'll be a pair of glasses that I just talk to, or dictate to, and give it commands. Um, and eventually it'll just be an eyelid, that, a double eyelid that just that I can switch back and forth, and then it's going to be connected to my neurons or something. Um, but I, I wonder what you know. Again, we're in the crazy place. Uh, what will be the <laughs> uh societal impacts of something like this when all of a sudden humans have you know the whole of human knowledge at the disposal you know just right there like oh you know like you know what i'm saying like you know it takes a long time uh, you know relatively speaking for me to do a google search off my hand, uh, smartphone but if i had that thing you know like and i don't want to say like google glass but like but if I had that that interface where it could just give me a, a few more seconds, um, you know, of of of, of efficiency, it, it would just be amazing. So, do you think we're gonna all become smarter because of virtual reality, or do you think it's going to, you know, we're going to devolve into an idiocracy? Here's here's what in idiocracy. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good movie. I, Absolutely love that. No, um, okay, so the idea of being completely tethered all the time, um, I'll, I'll share with you a small story. Um, I was at a restaurant with my family and, uh, you know, all, all the children, wife and all that, and over, and we were just having a conversation, joking it up, and we look over, and there's another table with another family, and each one of the children had uh, a, a handheld device. We'll just say it was, they were Game Boys or something, and they're all sitting there and they're playing their game. And the mom and dad are just, you know, having a conversation, an adult conversation. The kids are completely oblivious. They they could have wandered off and nobody would have noticed. And I thought to myself, man, that that's a tragedy that those those people aren't interacting with each other and with their children the way they should be. Fast forward a year or two later, uh, same scenario, almost exactly the same scenario occurs, except this time. The parents, instead of interacting with each other, are now interacting with their cell phones. And the children have upgraded now they're on 3DSs or whatever. But it's, it's, it's part of what we do now is that we are constantly attached to our cell phones. I'm, I'm actually – I'm sitting here on my computer desk right now holding my cell phone in my hand and it was just involuntary it's mm. like harry potter's wand i always have to have it like right there at the ready uh you know is it going to make us smarter no uh is the idea of having a um you know this type of technology available to us I i've had numerous times where i'll be you know sitting watching a movie with my kids and somebody will say you know what was that that actor what was he in he was in something else what what was that and, you know, they'll all bust out their phones or whatever, and I'll just grab my Android, unlock it, hit the, you know, Google now and just say, hey, you know, what list of movies that so-and-so was in, bling, and there it is, and it's right there. And what would have VR been able to do? Well, VR would have been able to maybe, I talk to it, and it goes and it pulls up a list in front of my face, which is what the phone does, but then I can have it give me screenshots or video clips, which is what my phone does. Um, you know, I think on a day-to-day -day basis, having VR constantly available to us isn't going to be much different than having our phone available. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the worst thing someone can do with VR as a technology? Uh, is it is it 
using it for uh, torture at Guantanamo Bay? Is it for is it weaponizing a VR headset so that they're mounted on uh, DARPA Boston Dynamic dogs with machine guns? I mean, I mean, you know, give me your worst nightmare in terms of you know taking this the wrong in the worst direction possible. I wow, what a, what a great question. Um, you know, VR is a tool. It is a an interface, and to uh, to say that you can do something bad with it is the same as saying you can do something bad with a remote control or a cell phone. Um, you know, the the, the military is using uh, VR to drive tanks into towns and destroy them with no with with minimal casualties or zero casualties to to our troops. Uh, drones are being operated remote control. Um, you know, those are all good things, but bad at the same time. Uh, you know, I think that the worst thing could happen is addiction. Uh, I have a feeling that people will become addicted, uh, to VR in the same way that people are addicted now to Facebook or they're addicted to their computer games or, um, you know, uh, I remember at one point I played Tetris so much that I was like waking up in a cold sweat and hearing the, the, and it was just like haunting me in the background and I could see blocks everywhere I went. Uh, it, addiction, I think, is going to be the e- the most evil thing that could come from VR. Yeah, and there's is there, is there anything that we can do to minimize it, uh, stop it, uh, anything? No, no. Uh, you know, addiction isn't the fault of the item. Mm-hmm. It's the fault of the person. And so you can get addicted to anything. You know, people say, yeah. like, oh, cigarettes are terrible because people get addicted to it. Well, no, it's not the cigarette's fault. And I'm not advocating smoking, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's not the cigarette's fault. It's the person's fault. I mean, I, I've seen television shows where people are addicted to eating paint chips or, you know, uh, um, sleeping with a – and this was my favorite – uh, there was a woman who was addicted to having to have a running hair dryer in her bed with her while she slept. What? She was addicted. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, the one, the one that got me the most. Uh, speaking of that, is the the lady that kept drinking gasoline. She couldn't yes, stop. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Is she, okay. Uh, we're I'm gonna we're gonna fix this right now. We're gonna fix this problem of addiction. You and I right now. And here I'm gonna throw an idea at you and let me know what you think. How about uh, we develop a technology that is able to scan uh, an individual's brain and it could say with a certain amount of certainty, you are, you know, the part of the addictive part of your brain tells us that you should stick away from Cheetos, you know, or you or you are 67% more likely than the other person to be addicted. So then you give that person that tool, the knowledge to say, hey, you know, I, I, I can, I'm probably going to get addicted to this. Um, fuck it anyways. I'm just going to go in and, uh, man, see, I just, I, I don't think we're going to be able to fix it. I just, <laughs> cause well, people are gonna... well, okay. The, 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 the libertarian part of me is saying, Hey, 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 who are you to tell me what I'm allowed to do and do not do? True. And who are you to say that, uh, you know, addiction, I can be addicted if I want to freedom. Yeah. Raise the American flag, you know. Uh, I don't think that there is a solution to it because people will always have something that they're addicted to. You know, there's, you know, the the, the folks who think that it's terrible, it's like, oh, you know, it's terrible that they allow smoking in bars, yet 
they constantly are feeding into people's alcoholism. It's, it's, it's silly to try to, you know, if people want to do it, they're going to do it. They're going to find a way to do it. You know, they've yeah. got sin taxes where it's like, Oh, you know, let's raise the taxes on the alcohol and the tobacco and, and you know, everything else. And it's like, you know what? It's not going to stop people from doing it. You know, I, thinking about that, if I were an evil genius with a trillion dollars, I would probably use this technology to, uh, as a tool of mass human control. Cause then I, you know, I would figure out the best ways, uh, human psychology to keep people in there, you know, uh, you know how casinos utilize psychology to, you know, brighten colors and, you know, pretty lights and all that stuff to keep people in that environment. I, I, I would figure out ways to keep humans inside of VR and, and, and thus uh, allowing for less freedom for humans, but perhaps more harmony as a whole in the society. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring up casinos. Uh, somebody said to me once, it's like, oh, the casinos, they've got you. They've got you. Look, look around the walls. There's no clocks anywhere on the walls, so you never know what time it is. And you're, <laughs> you're, you just spend so much time. And, and I was standing in a casino when somebody said that to me, and uh, I pulled out my phone, and I looked, and I said, it's 2.38. <laughs> what, do, what, do what, what do you want? You know, I, people are going to – uh, find a way. I, I think in today's technologically uh, savvy uh, society, I, I think we know when we're being duped. I think we are clever enough to get around things. If if some you know evil mastermind decides, oh, I'm going to lock everybody in to uh, VR and I'm going to control them, I think we're smarter than that. I don't think that that's going to be a thing. You know, television, well, radio tried it, television tried it, newspapers have tried it. Yeah, we're smarter than that. But we just changed the channel. VR is insane. It's not I, It's not radio, it's not TV. And uh, oh, follow me down the rabbit hole now, okay? Because, oh, here we go. Here okay, we go, here okay? we go. <laughs> <laughs> because here we are in a world where you have machine learning, for example, where Netflix can track your every or you know or google can track your every click and all of a sudden they could tailor and customize ads for, for yourself right and, and so what i'm thinking uh is a, a metaverse a world in which you will put on your rift you will go inside the metaverse you will work you will play you will live in there and will socialize and it, all of a sudden you start getting you know these feelings of man i want to be free or 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 start asking questions about the society the world that you live in right you, the wrong kind of questions the kind of questions that make people uncomfortable you know the the ones that the nsa wouldn't want you to talk you know ask all of a sudden you know they have the ability to track everything you look at you know perhaps hear everything that you say and and then you know put out algorithms that can say this person is depressed or this person is talking too much shit about us so what we're going to do is we're going to put him in the bubble uh, a, a a bubble in which you know that he won't have access to you know our world news for example or, or our true reddit for example where they'll where there's public discussions about the things that matter right to that person and then you just put them inside this bubble and instead of you know imprisoning in, instead of outright imprisoning them in, in, a, in a real life cell you just divert their attention and you keep them inside this you know virtual reality you know information bubble um and you do that across the whole society and all of a sudden you are now the master of humanity Here, here's here's why i don't think something like that could possibly occur 
uh, was having a interesting conversation online uh, in an IRC channel. Yes, people still use those on time to time. Uh, and we were talking about a website, and I said, oh, man, I can't believe it's like every time I go to this stupid website, I get bombarded with all these porn ads. It's ridiculous. And these other guys are like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. All these porn ads constantly pop up. There was one guy, and he goes, what are you guys talking about, ads? Like, yeah, don't when you go to that site, don't you get bombarded with, with porn ads? And he goes, no, I've got ad blocker. And it occurred to me, it's like, you know, we let those things happen. If we really, truly don't want to be bombarded with any of this stuff, we have ways of controlling that. We have filters. We have blockers. And, you know, by all means, we could just take the device off of our head if it gets to be a nuisance and you know not they're not always going to have it right either you know if they're you know all the algorithms and whatnot that they use um you know i went away on a business trip uh about a year ago and uh while i was gone the the kids had the run of my my desktop computer and i said that was fine and when i came back uh, i had gone to a site or two that i normally go to and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, man, all of the ads are like American Girls and Sesame Street. And it's like, oh, I had to clear my cash and cookies and get rid of them all. But, you know, those algorithms, they're not going to be right. And, and I'm not the kind of person to think that, oh, you know, we're going to be mind controlled in 1984 and that sort of thing because of a new type of technology. But, uh, you know, for those of you who are out there and, and who are paranoid about that sort of thing, um, be aware I'm watching you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm always thinking about the worst case scenario of anything like like I'll be I'm a weird guy like that like I'll be you know sitting in a, in a classroom and all of a sudden I'll be thinking like what would what would happen if an earthquake happened right now? All right, what would I do? What, what, okay, what's my strategy? Like I'm always like, or you know, like driving on the highway. Like I think I watched too much Final Destination that movie uh, because I'm always <laughs> thinking about nonsense like that. Um, but I I think this is uh, I, uh, something worth bringing up because I you know in my mind at least we're uh, you know I I think we're having a, a, an honest discussion that you know this is. I think it's possible because I, I'm honestly, I'm honestly like the average person. I'm not that smart. And when I see myself, I see everybody like, you know, the majority of humanity. I don't think like we're that smart. <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of us, it, it, I think uh, there's a few of us that are really, really smart that, you know, such as yourselves really like technologically inclined and you, you know what you're doing, but like a lot of the other ones, like, I don't know, uh, I went to public high school, so I, I have an idea of uh, what, uh, uh, how, how the intellect as a whole is quite like. In hey, I'll tell you what, man, uh, I, uh, I'm a product of 12 years of Catholic schooling, and uh, I do not send my children to Catholic schools, they all go to public schools. <laughs> <laughs> So you want to try? You want to talk about avoiding mind control? There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, I can say that on your podcast. I would never say that on my own. That's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by by the way, you can say uh, anything you want on this podcast. Uh, we 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 go raw dog on this. Fuck I, I, shit, anything. I, see, the thing is, you know, I I always think about it. I try to keep my show PG, and people know that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, there's nothing wrong with you know throwing a couple f bombs out there on on occasion and a certain 
Ah, fuck it. I'll go ahead and say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. What did you want to be when you grow up? Like, if I got in the time machine, I ask this a lot because I'm fascinated with this question. Like, if I got in the time machine and asked 10-year-old Reverend Kyle, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what do you think he would have said? 10-year-old uh, ten Kyle would have told you that he was either going to be a priest or a doctor. Mm. Yes, uh, I was uh, very active in my uh, in my church and uh, had uh, a lot of really good uh, experiences. With uh, I was I was the head altar boy at my church. Uh, make all the jokes you want, uh, you know. Uh, it, it, it's kind of funny. People always say, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you were an altar boy. Did you? Uh, did you? And they kind of hesitate. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, I, I never had uh, I never had a priest force sex upon me. Uh, it was always mutual. Uh, but now, <laughs> you know, I, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I would have been. A, I would have said I was either going to be a priest or a, uh, a doctor. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, freshman year of high school, I took a class. We had to dissect a uh, a pig, like a fetus, a pig fetus. And uh, I remember the first time we cut into it and started doing it and all this stuff. I walked out and I went, "Uh oh, I can't do blood." I can't do fluids and bodily smells and things like that. So much for being a doctor. Yeah, um, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, obviously the introduction of girls into my life, uh, you know, which which I refer to as the age of reason, uh, took away the idea that I was going to be a priest. So <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> At what point did you figure out, like, all right, I think this is what I'm going to do? Well, I don't even know what I do. Uh, <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I'm a jack of all trades. Uh, I did not, uh, you know, I, I, so I had a job, uh, out of high school. I was working for a little mom and pop computer shop and, uh, you know, I, w I was assembling computers and, uh, and I would sell them to people and, you know, take them to their house, deliver them, show them how to use windows 95 and all of that jazz. Um, you know, I, I, I started going to school, went to University of Cincinnati, um, went for a whole year and uh, in computer science. And, and I realized I'm like, man, I don't want to be a programmer. And, and sitting in this big classroom with, you know, 200 other kids, uh, most of which, you know, barely spoke English, uh, I felt very out of place. And so I, uh, I chose the trade route and uh, decided to go ahead and I got my A plus certification couple uh, Microsoft certifications, HP certifications, and just really just racked them up and then went and got, you know, a, another job at a computer place. And it was very nice for a little while. Um, actually started going into like management and whatnot. Uh, one day I go into work and the computer shop's been shut down. Uh, owner ran out of money. And, uh, so I had to go find another job and ended up in retail, worked as a, uh, a manager at Staples for seven years. Hmm. Um, actually in between that time, I did do a couple years of graphic design. That was kind of fun, but, uh, went from retail into, uh, some customer service for, uh, a nice large legal firm or a legal company and, uh, moved into their training department. And that's what I do now. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a corporate trainer. I go in and do corporate trainings. Uh, you know, when new hires come on board, I take them through, teach them all the tools, give them professional skills, training, teach them how to inter interact with people teach managers how to treat their people right, that sort of thing. Um, 
you know, it's uh, I've been all over the place, so oh. I still know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> what a story! How do you balance? How do you balance the work, the the family life, the the, the being a Reverend Kyle, like the, the VR evangelist? How do you how do you balance all of that? It's it's tough. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I I do have four children. They range from age of fifteen down to three and a half. Uh, my wife and I have been together for uh, uh, fifteen plus years. Um, you know, it, it it is a struggle, um, but it was something that we learned a long time ago because living, you know, working retail, you don't work nine to five and come home and have dinner with the kids. You know, retail is you're sometimes working till midnight or you're you know, working the whole weekend or whatever. And so my wife had already been used to the idea of me not being available. And she's a stay at home mom, you know, with four kids. It's a great setup. You know, we're very, uh, Ward and June Cleaver. Uh, it's, it's a very nice setup. Uh, I keep joking with her. It's like, how come you're not, you know, wearing a dress and pearls and got dinner on the table and I come, honey, I'm home. Uh, but, uh, I don't get the opportunity to do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are days where I come home and I immediately get in front of my computer and pump up Skype and off I am to the races. Uh, I spend my lunch breaks and whatnot at work, uh, keeping up on all the VR information and searching through Reddit and all that jazz. Um, I do it, you know, uh, you know, wait, wait, I'm in a, in a waiting room or, you know, 15 minutes before I have to go into an appointment somewhere or, you know, the kids are doing their, uh, you know, their, their recitals or their, you know, uh, symphony orchestra things. And, you know, you're sitting there for 20 minutes, you're flipping through the phone, killing my battery, trying to keep up with all of it. But it is, it's a struggle. Um, the nice thing is, is that my family fully supports me and they understand that this is, uh, a potential future. And, uh, and so they, they do everything in their power to help. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And congratulations on, on, on having uh, so many cool kids and, and the 15-year-old, 15-year uh, marriage. That's that's awesome. Crazy. Thank you. Thank you. Crazy stuff. Yeah. I, I, you know, by by how, uh, by, by seeing how prevalent you are on the our Oculus subreddit, I figured you were there 24-7. But that's amazing to hear that you're balancing out all these different things at the same time. It's crazy stuff. What is yeah, that? I don't, I, don't get to, I don't get to sit down. You know, I, well, I'm sitting right now, but I'm talking to you. No, I, I don't. I don't spend a lot as much time as I used to. Uh, I gave up all of my other hobbies, so sitting on my couch and eating Cheetos and watching TV and playing video games, I gave up all of that to be able to do the VR stuff. And and, and trust me, I wouldn't change any of that for anything. But I haven't seen any recent movies. I haven't bought a Blu-ray in a long time. Um, every once in a while, somebody's like, oh, did you see episode so-and-so of a TV show? And I'm like, no, I've never even heard of that show. Well, it's been on for two years. Really? <laughs> it's a terrible thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it, I, it's 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 commendable because you're going all out. I mean, that's I mean, and I think that's the way to go. If you're if it, it's kind of like uh for me like learning a la learning a language, for example, I was trying to learn uh because uh, I I first came to the U.S. when I was six years old or seven years old, um, and then and then I was here for two years, and then I I missed my mom because my my parents were separated, so I went back to Nicaragua. Then I came back when I was fourteen, and I had this, and I I had a foundation of of English, but I realized right at the start that uh, you know coming in at fourteen, uh, I was like, um, dude, you need to speak English really well, uh, and you need to like you know, be, be really, really good at it. And so for like 
three years uh, in high school, I just would force myself to not speak a word of Spanish. Um, and it's okay, my Spanish is still good. But but it, it, in doing that, you know, my English just like skyrocketed over my, my peers who also came from different countries. And it, it worked the same way when I was learning Mandarin. Uh, I like when I went to uh, live in Taiwan for a year, yeah, for the I tried really hard uh, to not speak any other language for as long as I could, but the party, the party got to me, you know, the party animal side of me got to me. And then, and, and, and then I just got to a point where I plateaued and then I just partied the rest of the year. Um, but, but I agree, like, I, you know, it's, what you're doing is, is you're going all out, you know, and you block everything and you surround yourself with the thing you want to be. Um, and that's, that's really cool. You know, a lot of people will, uh, you know, they'll give me guff and they'll say, oh, you know, you're you're opinionated or, you know, who are you to say this, that or the other? You know, people have to understand why we do these things. I mean, I, I'm not doing my podcast and I'm not being part of this thriving community because, you know, it, it's it's producing something for me. Actually, it, it takes quite a bit out of me. It's, it, you know, time. Time is a very valuable thing. Uh, but why do I do it? I, I do it for the love. I do it for the passion. Uh, I do it for the people. And, and, and really, it's, you know, I, I put out podcasts every week and I go in and participate in all these conversations online. I try to make appearances to all of the different things. And, you know, I do it because I know that there's some guy somewhere sitting in his basement in front of his computer wishing that he had more more content there's just this huge black hole of content right now and that's why i think it's a wonderful thing that you've got your podcast and you know the the guys uh matt and chris uh um or i'm sorry matt and brian and and doing their podcast and and kent doing his and you know all these people uh cymatic bruce and everyday vr and all these channels just pumping content into the community we do it because we're trying to help. Uh, we're trying to fill this void and it's going to be really funny once the consumer product does come out and, uh, and you know, all of a sudden mainstream consumers have VR in their pocket or in their, on their head. How is that going to change what we do? I mean, that, that's, that's a good question. You know, I wonder what it's going to look like once our Oculus becomes an 100,000 people subreddit or 200,000 or a million one day. Like that's, I don't know. I think that's, that's very plausible, and and then yeah, then you're we're yeah, it's good. It's just gonna feel like a, a sea of, of 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 people, and yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Well, let me give you a good example. Uh, you know, every day it seems like there are new people in the subreddit. Somebody posted. I don't know. I guess it's been about a month or so ago. Somebody posted. So, uh, can anybody suggest any good podcasts about VR? And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> really, really, dude. <laughs> go look at the sidebar. Go look at you know. And obviously, everybody answered and gave him good good information. But I, I didn't even. I couldn't even see myself going in and posting. Yeah, go listen to my stuff, man. It's awesome. I couldn't even do that because, you know, self-promotion and all that stuff. People are going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, he self-promotes all the time. Yes, yes, I'm so sorry for all of my content, all of you haters out there. I'm so sorry. Uh, I get a little peeved at that sometimes. Do you Do you ever get mad at that? You know what? Haters? I don't get haters because I'm not that big yet or – who knows if I ever be, but I'm I don't get haters, and uh, if if I ever do, I'll probably just 
block them or challenge them to a, a, a dick slapping duel or something. <laughs> I'll be like, pull it out, motherfucker. All right, give me, let's do this, <laughs> sword fight, bitch. Yeah, I don't no, know. I, and, you know, the internet is, uh, I, it, okay, so my wife and I uh, and the kids did this little this little fun video thing uh, this weekend, and just for fun, goofing around, and uh, somebody posted a negative comment immediately on YouTube, and my wife got all worked up. I'm like, honey, there's haters. Just let it be. You know, I don't want to say let it go anymore because of that stupid Frozen movie, but just let it be. <laughs> Uh, like the Beatles, uh, and, and and just ignore it. You know, you're doing what you're doing because you want to do it. Yeah. Even if there were zero people who ever watched it, you put it out there for yourself. Don't worry about the haters. If yeah. the haters don't like it, then then that's fine. If they want to go out and put negative comments and tell you that you suck, that's fine. Yeah. Because in order for them to know that it sucked, that means they consumed it first. And that was the only reason you put it out there in the first place is for other people to consume it. Yeah. So. I, you know, in, in, in terms of like the, how to deal with haters, I, I read uh, – I don't know if you heard of James Altucher. I, I really recommend his book. It's called Choose Yourself. And in, he has an excerpt about haters. And uh, he says something like uh, – or he quotes someone saying something like, you know, 30% of the people are going to love you. 30% of the, or, of the people are going to hate you. And then – uh, 40% or something like that aren't going to care. And you just roll with that. That's just, you accept that as a fact of life and you keep rolling. Uh, yep. Cause you yep. can't make yep. everyone happy, right? You just be yourself and you put it out there and you know, I, I, how, how do you deal? Like were, when you put out your first podcast, were you scared? Were you worried? Were, you know, did you feel anxious? Uh, you know, it's a good question. Um, when, when I first decided to do my first podcast, I had, I had not done a podcast before I had done, um, I had done some audio recording at work and, you know, I had just recently got done with some of it and I really liked it and I was like, okay, let's see how I can do this in my personal life too. So that was kind of cool. But, uh, I had done YouTube videos for, you know, several years prior, uh, doing Android tutorials and whatnot. So I already felt comfortable with producing content and talking to a, an audience that I couldn't see, basically. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it, when I I actually got inspired, there was a, a, a podcast done way back in like April of like 2012. And, and it was a couple guys, I think Drash and Kane uh, and, and a couple other people were just, uh, you know, yakking it up. And, and people were digging it. And I'm like, is there really like uh, a demand for this sort of thing. And so uh, I actually recorded three of them. Boom, 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 right away. Uh, lined up people, uh, guests, and just went went for it. And I put them out. And the first one I put out, zero response, zero anything. It was like you posted something in, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, our you know, gaming or something. It's like, doesn't everybody like Tetris? And then it was like, poof, just disappeared into oblivion before anybody voted anything on it. Uh, it was weird. Second one I put up, it was even. So I had like 10 negative, you know, 10 up votes, 10 down votes. So I'm like, okay. The third one, it netted positive. And I was like, okay, all right. I think I'm okay with this now. Let, let's keep going with this and let's see. But man, I go back and I listen to my first couple. Oh, oh, like my first dozen podcasts are like terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's I agree. It's hard to listen to my own like my like my first few. They're like, oh man, I need to some figure out a way to delete this from the internet. It's yeah. 
<laughs> no such thing. No such thing, brother. It's Indeed. there forever. <laughs> For real. Yeah, speaking of things that are forever. But yeah, it's crazy. And so, and like, at what point did you figure, like, did you got, did you get your flow going? Like, you know, I, I, I think it was right around the time that I interviewed um, Will Provancher, or Provancher, uh, you know, from Tactical Haptics. You know, he was the first person I had talked to about uh, Kickstarter and really just the first person I talked to about a budding new technology that could possibly change things. And after I talked to him, I'm like, wow, wow this could really actually like, I got a lot of positive responses from it. Um, I think that was like episode 10 for me and, and it really just justified. I got a lot of, a lot of chatter about it because people were just as curious as I was about it. And they were excited about the conversations, uh, the questions I had asked him, uh, a lot of accolades for that one. And, um, you know, I, I think also having Boone, Boone Calhoun, who obviously made the Rift Coaster and Trench Run and all that stuff, that was another big one for me. Nice. Because, again, yeah, again, it's just it's somebody that everybody knew and everybody was kind of curious about what was going to happen, uh, you know, with his stuff and where he was heading. And Trench Run was a big thing at the time. And um, I don't know. I, you, you just have a couple real memorable episodes and then, boom, you feel justified. Yeah. And what are your, what are like your favorite methods of promotion out there? Uh, you know, in terms of promotion, you know, things have changed quite a bit for me. Um, you know, for the first 42, 43 episodes, uh, I was on my own. And so I was posting them to my own website, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Oculus VR forums and the subreddit. And that was it. That was, that was my, that was my, you know, routine. Uh, once, uh, I was approached by Ben Lang of Road to VR and he said, Hey, you know, we like what you're doing. Uh, you're providing the, uh, the VR community with a big piece and, and our website doesn't have that piece and we'd like to incorporate you into our team. And so they acquired me Facebook style. Um, <laughs> I didn't get the $2 billion. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It, it was, uh, it was a great idea. It was one of the best decisions I've made in a long time to become part of that group. And, awesome. um, you know, my, my audience numbers and my listening numbers have, uh, grown exponentially as a result of it. So, um, you know, at this point I post on road to VR and I post in the subreddit and, um, road to VR tweets it and I retweet it. And, uh, that's about it. And yeah. I find that just being on Road to VR, which is the number one source, yes, that's right, I said it, the number one source for VR news, um, I don't see any reason to do any other type of uh, of uh, advertisement, really. Let me ask you about, uh, uh, first of all, congratulations to uh, to Road to VR and, Re and, and Rev VR as a, as a brand for, for a happy marriage. You guys are an awesome an awesome team, I, I do admit. Uh, Thank you. But but in, you know it's something I I I wonder about Road to VR is like uh, the name Road to VR like we're on the road to VR but what happens when VR is here uh, have you guys discussed uh, if if there's going to have you if you're going to stick with Road to VR or is this going to be like an evolving thing the 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 idea it's kind of like dividing mm -hmm. in half constantly dividing in half we will approach. VR, but we will never actually truly touch it. Mm 
Uh-huh. We will get so terribly close, and the road will become shorter and shorter. But we will never actually get to it. So for all those math geeks out there, they understand what I'm saying. Uh, you keep dividing, you keep dividing. You'll never truly approach zero, uh, but uh, you can get awfully close. And so I, I think the name will probably be around for quite a while. It's, uh, it's called uh, – uh, it's not – I don't know. It's not Xerxes. It's someone's paradox that, that you've – yeah, Fermi's, Fermi's paradox. There you yeah. go. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I like it. I like that. I like that style. Very cool. Um, so where does uh, you know how where where is your podcast uh going to be like? Are, are you going to uh, uh grow it out in in five years? Are you going to you know are are you trying to you know like what what's your strategy? Are you sticking just with VR developers? Are you trying to get more thought leaders? What do you what are you trying to do in in terms of that? Good question. Um, I've actually considered a few different things. Um, I, I got a lot of really good uh, feedback recently about the idea of uh, of having my uh, my children participate more. The the Rift Kids, as I've tried to brand them, uh, they get a lot of, a lot of uh, play with all the VR stuff, and uh, you know people were asking for more content, and so. Uh, I had uh, one of my children, Courtney, who was my producer when I did, uh, I filled in for Bruce's stream one week, uh, and that video is available on YouTube if anyone wants to see it, but everybody got a big kick out of seeing her playing in VR, and um, so I have a feeling we're going to do more uh, episodes like that, nice. where we have uh, the kids involved. Um, you know, other than that, I, I, I like to just try to be the voice for the developers, you know, people have who have uh, been regular listeners of my podcast know that I'm really trying hard to be an outlet for developers to come in and hawk their wares, come in, tell us who you are, tell us why we care, tell us how passionate you are about VR and then just bust a move and show us your gear. And, you know, uh, there's been a lot of really, really successful people who have uh, debuted things on my podcast uh, and I'm very pleased to have been able to help them with that. Uh, just, just you know, a, a, a smile comes across my face when somebody's, you know, Kickstarter makes it or if somebody's uh, game ends up on the Oculus share. And just to know that I had a tiny little part of that, I'm happy. Mission accomplished. You know, throw me up on, a, on an aircraft carrier and give me a hell. Mission accomplished. There we go. That's it. Um, but no, I, I, I want to keep doing this. Uh, you know, as long as people will continue to say yes, that they want to be on my show, uh, I will continue to have those conversations with them and, 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 and introduce them to the VR community uh, in, in, a, in a portal that they wouldn't otherwise have. Rev, what is the meaning of life? Um, I believe it's 42, but you're going to have to let me check. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, you know, what is the meaning of life? What does it all mean? What yeah. does it all mean? Let, let me ask you the same question I asked Palmer Lucky back at the, in, in the Ubercast. If you had the opportunity to go forward or backwards in time, uh, which would it be? That's and a fantastic question. You can't come back. I can't come back. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I laughed at Palmer's answer to that. I, I thought, first of all, I thought that was a fantastic question, and I appreciate you asking Thank it you, because nothing, nothing digs into somebody's psyche more than asking them a question about time travel. <laughs> uh, you know, and for him to say to go back to the '80s because that's where all the cool stuff happened. Um, you know, uh, the more I thought about it afterwards, uh, I kind of agree with him. Um, 
to not be able to come back. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would probably go back and I even, I even tried to pinpoint, you know, the exact year that I would want to go back to. And, you know, I, I think, you know, 1987 would probably be a good year to go back and, um, you know, invest in certain things and make my fortune and, and be there for all the amazing stuff. Um, you know, it's the whole, I can't come back thing that makes me choose. That. <laughs> um, you know, is, is, is excited as I am about, about the future. You know, I want to live forever just so I can see all the technological advances. That's the only reason, you know, I was like, Oh, well, everybody around you will die and all you'll outlive your children. And all that. I was like, I don't care. I just want to see the technological advances. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's how I think. Um, I just want to see what, what humanity does next. I, I, I think it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, but yeah, I kind of feel kind of ghetto because I'm saying the same thing that Palmer did, but I, I don't know. Uh, I thought about it for quite a long time after he said that, and I have to agree with him at this point. <laughs> one, one, another question that I was going to ask Palmer, but I didn't get to, was uh, what scares you most? A zombie apocalypse or a technological singularity in which we fight a machine war against robots? Um, the, the zombie thing doesn't bother me much. Really? You're yeah. not scared of zombies? No, 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 no. Because, well, okay, and it, I guess it depends on, you know, which zombie definition. Are we talking Walking Dead, or are we talking, like, the running you know, Romero zombo, zombies? Or, I mean, what, what, which which version? Because if they're just mindless, wandering around, brains, you know, and they've got to eat it, and they're real slow, that's yeah. fine. And we can handle that. True. But if they're, like, you know, breaking down doors, and they can run at, you know, super speeds and stuff, that's a problem. Um, I don't know. Uh, that, that's, but you know, the whole idea of a, a singularity and you know the the machines taking over and all that. Um, that I think that would scare the hell out of me. If all of a sudden my toaster tried to kill me, yeah, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know I, the thing. Uh, that's you know, I'm more. Um, I, I feel you know I, I have a lot of fears because I spend too much time on the internet. But I think I, I I'm with you on that uh, to the extent that you, we wouldn't win. Uh, there's no way I can't think of a way we would win against a, a machine, uh, especially if it acquired, you know, uh, superhuman knowledge. Uh, unless we have augmented brains that have nano implants or nano machines that shoot electrical pulses at our neurons that's you know give them steroids i'm you know i'm talking out of my butt but um, perhaps we could have a chance if we had you know augmented brains against the the singularity but i know what, what do you think would you be one of those people that would uh you know augment your brain ah good question very good question um i draw the line where machines have to be in me. Wetware? No. I draw the line. Uh, you will never see me, and I say this, and people will come back 20 years from now and quote this and go, ah, you said never. No, <laughs> I, I will very, it is very, very unlikely that I will ever allow a machine to integrate with my brain. Mm. What about and you? It's, it's a terrible thing, but okay, so my eyes are terrible. I have terrible vision. I could very easily go get LASIK surgery and have them snip out a piece of my of my lens and flip over my my 
you know, uh, basically circumcise my eyeballs. And I don't want them to do that because I'm afraid of the consequences. Uh, technology can only do so much. And I fear for that, uh, you know, that blue screen of death while the laser's cutting my eye. Um, and then I'm blind. So, uh, you know, to have some sort of neural interface, next thing you know, you know, somebody's created a, a, a virus that can like, like really go from machine to human being. Uh, that scares the bejesus out of me. It, 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 yeah, that thought also scares the shit out of me as well. But I would probably be in line for the second generation of that technology to come along and then I jump in. Uh, because, um, and I'm, I'm about to get to an, an even more interesting question that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, because I think that we're going to have a new form of class uh, warfare in our state of the world where you're going to have the rich who are only who are going to be able to afford this technology that, are, that is going to augment them and make them smarter and then the poor won't and then you're going to get stuck in a paradigm where there's nothing that the poor can do to outsmart or game the system to you know reach uh, uh, you know, the rich, you see what I'm saying? I do. I do. Yeah. Do you um, think that's a, a possibility? Uh, you know, I mean, the possibility that we don't get to finish this podcast because of an <laughs> atomic blast is always there. Uh, no, I, 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 that's actually a very valid point. Uh, the, the, the rich get richer, the smarter, you know, the smart get smarter. Uh, you slowly have this, this evolution of, uh, you know, 99% versus 1% kind of hoopla. Um, it's always been there all throughout history. It's always existed. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer and they die off. The poor are used to fight the wars while the rich stay home and reap the benefits of whatever lands they occupy or, or, or invade. Um, it's always been the story. It is just part of history and um, it will continue to be part of history. Will it ever get worse or will it ever get better? Nope. It'll always be that way. So those of you who are out there thinking that someday, someday the rich and the poor will live together in, in a happy little, you know, go join a commune because it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not the way the world works. Okay. All right. I challenge you, sir, uh, <laughs> with, with that, uh, with your, with your, your, your side of the, that argument, because here it, you fell into my trap because this is where I think virtual reality could have an immense impact on class warfare. And the reason why is because what is what what is this class warfare? What it's the haves versus the have not, right? But and so what what this predicates is that is that you have a system in which you have uh, this 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 encouragement of having things. Right. And, and of course, you have consumerism and, and you, you encourage people to consume, consume, acquire items, but, uh, you know, infinitely. Right. But you we live in a finite planet. And so with finite resources, with finite, I, I guess, money um, uh, flow. So in VR, in the metaverse, though, anyone can acquire anything and any things all. And, and so what I'm thinking is like, sure, you might be stuck in a favela in Sao Paulo, or sure, you might be stuck in a slum in Lagos, Nigeria, but in the metaverse, you know, you are a god, 
and you have everything and you've acquired everything because you play e-Valkyrie for real money, you know, and, and you buy things and avatars and that economy could perhaps permeate real life and give people a little bit more uh, of a better of a livelihood. Um, so do you see what I'm saying? Like we, we I do. that idea of the, the, the haves over half not perhaps could, you know, pie in the sky could, could go away because all of a sudden we, we, we have an infinite universe of things. Well, let me ask you a question, Chris, because this is a conversation I love having with people. Um, if I were to give you $3 billion right now, uh, I'm going to acquire your podcast for $3 billion. <laughs> um, and and I, I put $3 billion in your pocket and say, now what do you want to do? What, what would you do? I would start an asteroid mining company. And with that asteroid mining company, I would uh, become a trillionaire because the average asteroid contains trillions and tons of platinum. I would crash the world economy and restart all, everything all over again and, and get everyone together and be like, all right, money is not worthless. Uh, let's figure out a way in the 21st century that we're all in to bring humanity into the ends of the galaxy or something that's something insane you know i'm uh, you know people tell you to aim for the moon i'm aiming for andromeda so <laughs> so that's what i would do i would crash the world economy i'm serious if you crash the world economy you no longer are rich true and i'm okay, okay with that <laughs> the, the, the the difficulty here is that you know you talk about the haves and the have-nots and and this is uh this is probably unpopular, but I don't care. Um, as soon as you take one of the have-nots and you give them a bunch of money, they become one of the haves, and they disappear into the cosmos. Uh, you can watch it when people win the lottery. Uh, you know, the, the little people, they always say, oh, man, if only we little people weren't pooped on all the time. If we little people just got our own little cut. If all the rich people would just give us some of their money. But what they're really saying is if they would just give me some of their money. And so what ends up happening is as soon as a uh, have-not gets a taste of what the have has, then they disappear. And they go and become part of the evil that they once just totally hated. And, you know, and I know people are like, whoa, wow, let's get political with Reverend Kyle here. But <laughs> it, the, the, the difficulty is, is that even if everybody has, let's just say we give everybody a billion dollars. The first time one person spends a dollar and has a dollar less than everybody else, they are the poor of society. There is always going to be one person who has the least amount of money. And whether it's one person or 1% or 99% or 99.99%, there's always going to be one person who has a dollar more than you do. And so you cannot have a functioning society where everybody has the same amount of money. It's impossible. That is that is a extremely value, valuable point, and I, 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 I do accept the, that to an extent. But I think you know the reason why uh, it's that way is because you and I did not have a choice when we were born into the system. And so, and so a, a huge part of our psyche of who we are and, and what we believe is because we didn't have a choice. We just, we were, we were just handed this, this, this life, this society, and here are the rules and now play by the rules, you know? And, and so what I would say is 
what what is money you know it's a human construct and and sure it sounds hippie-ish sure it sounds insane but i i think that um you know just like human civilizations before us were able to live without the privatization of land the privatization of water the privatization of air you know like the, the native uh, americans and the you know the brazilian tribes like they they pulled it off and they lived harmonious lives i think that we are smart enough uh, to come up with a system that is equitable, that can take the best ideas of all the different systems so that we're not just, you know, insane, you know, because we, we, we've learned a lot, you know, from the last 300 years, we've, we've come a long way. But I think that we're still stuck with those systems that are still 300 years old. And we're in a new world, and it's a scary one, and it's a different one. And the systems we have are super slow to react um, and even be proactive to the problems that we potentially have. For example, why the fuck do we not have a space program that is protecting us from potential asteroid collisions, you know, or, or is studying the effects of the magnetosphere and solar flares even more? And, and, you know, because those are existential problems that we could potentially have one day. And why not invest the time and space and money to do those things so so see what i'm saying like i think you're right you're right it's it's true that the you know there to, to a certain point it's human uh human you know humans are humans but i don't think it's human nature for us to be to feel you know envious all the time if we're if we're given a different choice i think well okay so a little bit more backstory on on reverend kyle um i was raised in a very very shitty neighborhood um it was not by any way shape or form safe uh I, I don't like to take my children even to drive through it to show hey look that's where daddy grew up uh it was a terrible terrible neighborhood and you know the houses were all old and nasty and if you were out after dark your parents thought you were dead uh it, it was a terrible neighborhood and uh, my sister and i uh, both were raised in, in, in the whole time. My parents were both working two, two jobs. My, my sister and I were home quite a bit uh, alone. Uh, just, you know, she's a few years younger than me. And I, I, I felt, you know, a level of obligation to, you know, take care of her and, and, you know, make dinner and get her to her soccer practices and things like that. It was a terrible way to live. But what it did was it taught me that if I want something more, than what was given to me, then I damn sure better do it myself. <laughs> and I, the last thing that I want is to have somebody give me something that I, I feel entitled to, but I don't deserve because I did nothing for it. Mm. And so, you know, and again, the, the people are like, wow, we really know Reverend Kyle's political agenda now. But <laughs> it's not an agenda. I'm just telling you how I really feel. Um, you know, and whether it's popular or not, uh, I do very well for myself now because I chose to, and I didn't have anything given to me. Uh, I had to work for what I have, and and, and I still don't have <laughs> a lot. Trust me, I, I, you know, I got the same problems everybody else does. But uh, I do feel like you have to work for it, and and you know, and I feel bad for folks. You know, there's always that scenario where it's like, well, I can't work for it. I can't because I have, you know, disabilities or problems or whatever. And I feel bad for you guys, you know, for that sort of thing. But I, you know. Those of us who can should and, and do things to make ourselves uh, uh, better in this world and then contribute back. You know, I mean, I, I've 
been very fortunate with my decisions and my my uh, my outcomes, and, and as a result, I, I give quite a bit back, you know, to the community in multiple ways, and um, you know, and, and I do feel the plight of some people, but I think that there's quite a number of people who just feel like they're entitled to something, and they've done nothing to try to achieve it themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, switching that into the VR world, the metaverse. Let, let, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Yes, because that's uh, where I was going to go. Fine. Yeah, let's do that. So suddenly we have this big empty metaverse. And with this big empty metaverse, you have the ability of going and digging for gold. Uh, and, and, you know, if all that does is require you to sit in front of your computer and click, 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 more power to you. Hope it works out. Hope it works out wonderfully. I hope it works like Bitcoin did. All the people who gained all that fake money from Bitcoin and it now has real true monetary value or, or Dogecoin or whatever, uh, go for it, man. Do it. Uh, I, more power to you and I hope you end up with exactly what you want. Uh, but you got to do it. You got to work for it. You know, Don't expect me to go into the metaverse and toss Dogecoins at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, you, you know, that's a, that, uh, thank you so much for sharing that, by the way, your, your little bit of your, your background. And I, oh, I, sure, yeah. I think I can relate a little bit in, 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 the, in the sense that um, it's funny that, you know, I, I grew up in uh, a huge part of my childhood. I was in, in Nicaragua, Manana, Managua, Nicaragua. I lived in, ba- in the barrios. And at one point in the 90s, when I was growing up there, like Nicaragua was probably on the UN's third third most uh, most poorest country in the world in, in, uh, or on the, you know, in, in this hemisphere. And it was and it was uh, you can see it. You can see children begging on the streets. It sucked. Um, but what I took away from that was the, the uh, idea that here we are and just like you said earlier like shit hasn't changed you know whatever ism we're under capitalism uh, communism those isms aren't the answer i agree it's not they're not these isms are not the answer because at the end of the day um it's there's always going to be someone at the bottom and someone at the top and someone's oh you know it's just like you said someone's fighting for the wars for the rich and the rich get it's 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 nothing has changed and in my mind i think that we've made it this far, and it's time to change that. Um, and the reason, and, and so, and so, what I'm thinking is like, all right, here we're gonna have this metaverse, and what is this metaverse gonna do? I, I think the metaverse is going to unleash human creativity uh, to an extent no one has a way to measure. And because, and so what, what I'm saying is like human beings, all of us, every single one of us is a creator. This is why we have these three pound masses, supercomputers on our, on, on our shoulders. Like we have to, I feel like, you know, I feel like everyone has that potential. And so I might be really idealistic and naive in saying this, but I think that if you give people a roof over their head, if you give people healthcare, you give people the ability to educate themselves, um, then you free them, you unchain them, you unchain their brains into letting them be what they want to be and create the things they, they want to create and make wealth for themselves. Um, I have a lot of friends who are just struggling struggling all the time and they have amazing artistic abilities or they have a gift that they can't share with the world because they're living paycheck to paycheck i got out of the i got out of college right out of you know in 2011 and then i feel like in the middle of the recession and things haven't been easy for me per se so i i don't know i i think that 
nothing is going to change unless we really you know analyze our, like ourselves as humanity like what the fuck are we doing here like are we are we gonna just play the same game all the time and here is virtual reality and i see it as one of the potential you know keys into opening doors that will unleash human creativity you know along with 3d printing and and machine automation you know those things in conjunction are going to change the world forever and right now that it's so early i feel like it's in my mind my crazy mind i think it's my i feel like it's my duty to be the crazy one saying hey we should try to you know right now that it's early we should try to like send or, or highlight the things that will make this in, in, in into a positive direction but i don't know the, the i think you're probably thing, right the, the, the beautiful thing about what you're talking about here is that joe blow off the street can come in and become a superpower in this new and technology has been providing that to us for the last 20 25 years probably even longer where just some nobody with no college education with no ambition just stumbles into a piece of technology where it meets the right person in a garage and next thing you know he's one of the richest men on the planet and i, I have a feeling that technology and in especially the the, the metaverse in in its infinity uh, is going to create a lot of people like that, where you're going to see people who in real life would probably not be a whole lot. They probably wouldn't be ambitious people, but because it's in technology, because it's in a virtual world, they'll be powerful. They'll be something they'll, they'll, they'll have worth that they probably would have never had without the technology. Yeah. How do you think governments are going to react to the metaverse once it's, you know, a billion person sort of place. I don't think the government's really going to care. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have a feeling you'll see like, um, you know, unfortunately like China and Korea, it's like, Oh, let's block this. Let's block that because that's what they do. Uh, but I don't think I, you know, it's no different than Facebook. You know, there's, there's uh, a billion people using Facebook or whatever the numbers are. I uh, didn't change government. You know, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, that there are government officials who are finally upgrading their Blackberries into something a little bit more uh, relevant. Um, but, I mean, think about it. I mean, before we had Barack Obama, uh, you know, constantly fiddling with his phone uh, on TV, you know, it, it, that was the first time we saw a, pro a president really publicly embrace a, a form of technology in, in a way where it was part of his everyday life. I mean, he even said he was addicted to it. Uh, I'm glad to hear that because mm -hmm. it shows that, you know, for the longest time, politics didn't care about technology. All that was was a way to take away industry or automate stuff. And, you know, if it wasn't putting a dollar in their pocket, they didn't care. Uh, but now, I don't know, technology has become commonplace. And so governments are probably just going to adapt just like they have with everything else. I think I think I think that, yeah they will adapt um but I I don't know if I don't know what they're uh because I think that for no matter how much flack Facebook and Twitter get as as social media services they had a huge role to play in and they still have a huge role to play in in the Arab Spring in the protests in Venezuela in the uh, protests in Iran where people were getting organized. And I think governments noticed this, that they, all of a sudden now we have the ability all as 
as as a society, as a as a as a group, as a hive mind, to merge together and coordinate ourselves. That's a that's a scary thing to them. I think. I, I mean, if I were a leader, and all of a sudden the people that are subjected to me, uh, or that I'm supposed to lead, all of a sudden want to lead themselves because you know I am corrupt and you know and and a sellout and a puppet. You know that would be scary to me. Um, well, I, I don't. I don't see it happening. If it was going to happen, it would have happened on Facebook already. I mean, mm. I don't know how many times I've seen. You know, I've got a lot of, of friends on Facebook that uh, you know they constantly are posting their political agenda, and you know they're like, oh, let's uproar and you know uh, impeach this person. Let's do this, and who's with me? And they go running with their guns in their hands into the forest, and nobody follows them because you know people don't care. You know, they, they, they like the idea of being comfortably numb and letting their government deal with the government stuff. And, and, you know, everybody just wants to not know what's going on. Just let me live my life and not care about all this nonsense. And the people who do care about it passionately, they're not enough. They're yeah. not enough to cause an uproar. And I, I think the government knows that. The, that. Yeah, that's what I agree with you there. I think uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It's it's come to a point like where we're just numb and apathetic to, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things I think we should we should care about uh, or that affect us. But but we don't because we're so absorbed. And, you know, perhaps it has to do with technology. Perhaps it has to do with the fact that now we're surrounded with so much information and holy shit, I don't know where to, where, where do I, how do I keep up with this? How do I keep up with that? Like, oh, now this is happening? Fuck that. I got too much shit going on. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like all of a sudden this abundance of information has made us even more apathetic and, and perhaps made our bubbles even stronger now you know now i can be inside the my little pony bubble forever and block out anything i want uh or anything that i don't want to see you see what i'm saying like uh, oh yeah 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 well and and you know i i fear for my children and, and their generation uh with as big of an advocate as i am i mean the children have multiple computers and tablets and phones and all sorts of fun little gadgets to play with in our house uh, I, I fear for them, and, and I, I make sure that they spend some time without it. And, and you know, let's have a technology-free day. I mean, you know, the other day we went, uh, we, we grabbed our uh, our cameras, and we went out and took a hike in the forest and, you know, had some fun there. Uh, outside, playing on the playground, running around, picking berries, which we found out later were not edible. Uh, you know, it, we, we go out and we do things. We take the kids to the pool or do an amusement park or, you know, we go fishing. Uh, you know, you need to know that this technology is, is part of our lives. It is. Yeah. But it doesn't need to overcome them. It doesn't need to be the essential piece. And I, I, I think that a lot of times people forget that and, and they need to take time away. They really do. Yeah, I've I've made it a uh, I've made a recent commitment, very recent, as of probably right now. Uh, to from now on, I, I think if I ever you know if I run into a friend next time I see you for for example, I'm going to hug the shit out of you, because <laughs> because I think that this is something that uh, VR will take a long time to catch up to. I, I think that it's something that Facebook likes can never match. You know, a hug, just just physical touch. It, it, it's so powerful and it's so it feels good you get endorphins you know or dopamine release inside your brain it's just it's it's just you know i, I think that people don't hug each other enough <laughs> oh no i agree you know it's it's kind of funny uh when i look at my facebook list 
there are so many people on my Facebook list that uh, are people that I haven't seen in, you know, 20 years. And it, it's okay. So here, let me give you an example. Uh, a, a girl that I went to grade school with, she and I were thick as thieves all through grade school. And then I never saw her again. And uh, through a friend of a friend of a friend, uh, she found me on Facebook and we started chatting and uh, we met up with her and her fiance and me and my wife and we went out and we had a good time and uh, we got to become friends. And then I ended up going to their wedding. You know, we had a good time. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like all of this because Facebook. Yeah. This would have never have happened. Like I would have never seen these people again. But now we're thick as thieves again. And, and it's just it's. You know, we we were like peas and carrots, as Forrest would say, and and it's just so funny. It's just the strangest thing to know that these people, while I'm not really connected to them, I am. Mm-hmm. And then while I, I agree with your, you know, that that physical, that that intimate feel of, you know, just let's just, you know, a high five or a hug or a, you know, just a handshake or whatever, a smile even, those are things you can't get on Facebook. But boy, it's a whole lot better than nothing. Yeah, I think you're right. I feel like that's that story has repeated itself many, many times all over Facebook. That yeah, and I I think um I have a couple of friends that I've met that, again remet that I don't think I would have ever run into if it wasn't for Facebook. So there is something there is value to be taken from that for sure. I agree. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. For, what is what is your take on um, advertisement and privacy inside the metaverse? Well, okay, so the advertisement thing and privacy are two different things for me. Let's start with pro- one, uh, let's start with advertisement first. Yeah, so the advertisement thing, um, you know, I got to pay the bills, and uh, you know, I make money off of my YouTube channel. Uh, I make a small trickle of money off the advertisements on my website, and I know that other people do too. Uh, so whenever I'm on a YouTube channel watching a YouTube video or I'm on somebody's website, uh, it doesn't bother me that there are ads. Because I know it's paying somebody's bills. Mm-hmm. Now, then again, there are some sources out there that are purely in it for the ads. And they have little real actual legitimate content on their sites or in their videos. They're just in it for the ads. Mm-hmm. And when I see one of those, I permanently ban them from my list of available sites to go to i do not look at their videos and i do not click on their sites because shame on them for just squeezing another nickel out of me because i clicked on it Mm -hmm. i don't like that but if somebody's giving me legitimate content and they have an ad there i don't close it i let it go you know especially tutorials on youtube those people took time out of their lives to go in and create first of all learn this be an expert at it then record it and then choose to share it with you edit it and i know what goes into all of that Mm -hmm. ads are important to help support the people who are giving you content so that's my rant on ads i don't use ad block but if i do see a site which there are plenty of them out there that are just there for the ads and don't give any content screw you guys (laughs) in terms of so (laughs) nice yeah well that's a fair point i think yeah i think um I'm uh, the the only thing that I'm against at, at the only point at which I'm against advertisement it's when it becomes uh, I don't know too invasive I, th- I think that uh, and I, I again I'm sort of torn on this but I don't want you know Google to sell me herpes medicine because I 
God damn it! I'd never, I'd, I, I, I've never searched for it. But I, I'm giving you an example. Like I don't want that because, you, yeah, that's another thing. Like I don't know. I, it's, it's hard. Like, hmm, advertisement. I, I guess you're right. Yeah, I'll concede to that one. I think you're right. I think people need to pay, uh, pay their bills. Um, but let's talk about privacy because I want to know what your take is on and, and I, the idea in which everything you see, everything you uh, look at and interact with inside a metaverse is, is being watched by advertisement and the NSA. Sure. Um, cool. I'm glad that they think that I'm important enough that they need to listen to me. <laughs> um, I'll share some information with you and your listeners. Um, my Facebook page is public. I have no privacy settings turned on to the point where I'm blocking from anyone. Mm. Anybody who wants to can go peruse through all of my everything. And that doesn't bother me at all. Because if you really care so much that you want to look at my pictures, go ahead. If you really care so much to go and read what I posted on October 12th of 2013... I pulled that date randomly. I'm not saying there's anything there. <laughs> but if you really feel like the need to, go ahead. Uh, my phone number is available. Hell, I handed out 100 business cards at the SVVR Conference and Expo with my phone number on it. You know what? If you call me, if I don't know who you are, I don't answer the phone. Leave me a voicemail. Uh, you know, what am I worried about? Am I worried about somebody stealing my credit card information? That's not publicly available. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. And I've got, you know, plenty of things on my computer to make sure that that doesn't get stolen. Uh, what are you going to do? Figure out what my, uh, you know, my pet's name was. I had a dog named Spike when I was a kid. Uh, is that ever the question that I answer when I do a password reset? No. Uh, so I don't care. <laughs> I'm very particular about all of that stuff. So I cover my ass. So that way I don't have to worry about privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what should I be worried about, Chris? I obsess about the truth. I think that the truth and having access to information is a human right. And here's where uh, I, I and here's an example, for example, um, you know, civilization, as we know it, in my opinion, is composed of three fundamental things. Energy. All right. Humans and information if you don't have you know large quantities of energy such right now oil and gas and coal and nuclear then we wouldn't have civilization you know uh, we wouldn't have you know if we in food is energy right so we wouldn't have it so so again that's another thing uh people right there's cities in china that are completely empty and that's not a civilization yeah you have buildings yeah you have electricity but that's not a civilization that's not a society there there's it's empty and then the third example is for North Korea, uh, where the free flow of information is completely cut off, and I view North Korea as a uh, as a prison. It's it might as well be a prison, uh, it, you know, an information prison, because I think humans need to have access to the truth in order to make informed decisions about the world they live in. And what I worry about in the age of privacy is the fact that you're going to have people whose who have a vested interest in not letting you know the truth that, for example, this, that Coca-Cola, or fuck, allegedly, fuck, I shouldn't have said Coca-Cola, that this soda, for example, contains uh, uh, carcinogenic chemicals, 
for example, right? Or and you know, all of a sudden you have an investigative reporter that finds out that shit, there's cancer-causing chemicals that are or even cigarettes for like why the fuck you know like four million you know how many people millions of people over the, all over the world die from cigarettes and 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 you know you you want to you know make an expose of what's happening or for example the tobacco industry where like there's seven-year-old children working in tobacco fields right now in america like that stuff is is happening and it's the truth and we as citizens des deserve and need to know it's our human right to know the truth so that we can make informed decisions because some asshole is letting this happen some elected representative is allowing this to happen on, 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 and on our behalf because the corp you know some corporation you know has them in their pocket i i think that that's where I, i'm i'm really stuck with like privacy because if we can't express ourselves freely if i can't express my my feelings really like you know like how i feel because i i'm scared that someone might be listening then i'm not a free man this isn't freedom so I, well and, and, and I'll, I'll i'll tell you why you feel that way and, and how that differs from what i feel i'm not scared to say whatever i feel I don't. I don't care. Uh, I don't care who hears me say what I hear. Uh, I don't lie. Uh, I'm not. I'm usually pretty sincere, unless I'm being sarcastic uh, or humorous intentionally. Um, I'm not saying things that are anti-establishment. Um, in, in fact, I guess I'm relatively conservative. Um, you know, I'm not saying things that I'm ashamed of. Uh, you know. You, you don't go out and be a public figure like, a, you know, podcaster and video maker and, you know, make public appearances and things like that unless you're prepared to have your life inspected. Uh, I don't care. You want to go and see what my wife looks like? She's gorgeous. Go check it out. Uh, you want to go and see what my kids are? They're all beautiful children. They're all wonderful. You know, they do wonderful things in their lives and they play sports and they, you know, play instruments and sing and dance and do all the fun things that kids are supposed to do. Uh, the fact that everybody in the world knows that, I'm proud of it. Um, I'm proud of the way my life is and, and I'm proud of the things that I say. You know, my dad taught me a long time ago. He's like, never put your signature on something you're not proud of that you're not willing to accept as yours. So when I post something on the internet, it's because I truly believe it. And, you know, if the government wants to make record of that, good. Good. I'm glad they're making record of it because it's all good stuff to be taken down on paper. <laughs> uh, you know, and I know people are like scared. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, the government's listening to all of my conversations. Um, what can they do with that information? What really can they do with it? Well, they can hold it against me. Uh, why? Why? You'd have to be doing something wrong and feel some level of guilt in order for that information to be valuable to the government. The reason why, I mean, it's, it's for example, the NSA going with this, we're going to get, we're going deep in the motherfucking rabbit Let's hole. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, you, you, there's allegations that, for example, the NSA goes up to politicians and tells them, hey, you know, you're talking too much shit about us. Uh, we have a record of every single porn search you've ever done. And you need to shut the hell up because we're, otherwise you're going to become unelectable ever again. Um, you know, and, and I, another thing I think about is, uh, yeah, in allegedly, for example, there was uh, during the Occupy Wall Street pro protests, right? You know, again, we in a free democracy, we have the right to protest and be uh, and, and voice our concerns. Um, so during Occupy Wall Street, allegedly there were uh, stories coming out where the banks um, were in cahoots 
with the FBI and they're putting together lists of the, all the organizers in, in Occupy Wall Street so that they could harass them. Um, that that's that's some shit out of fucking uh, East Germany right there. And and, I, and again, like I uh, I don't know. I'm I when I say the things I say, I'm a bit uh, unlike you. I'm a bit uh, scared <laughs> because I, I don't know who's listening. And but but if I don't say these things, I don't feel um, like uh, I don't I don't feel like I have meaning. <laughs> I don't well, know. Okay, so you know, and, and that's if you think about all that stuff. You know, people are worried. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a politician. You know, let's say the government comes up to me and says, you know, Kyle, you're, you're speaking out about the government way too much. Um, we're going to release a list of your last, you know, 100 porn searches. <laughs> I, you know, I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. Um, matter of fact, I'll tell you right now, you know, I mean, what, you know, what kind of porn does Reverend Kyle look at? You know, th- those kind of questions don't bother me. My wife and I watch porn. We fuck like bunnies. What do you want to know? You know, <laughs> what do we care? Uh, you know, it's just, we're, we're not embarrassed or ashamed of that sort of thing. I mean, it, you know, I dare, I challenge you NSA to come up with something that you could say, well, we're going to publicly announce this about you and it's going to ruin you. No, it's not. Go ahead. There's not a single thing that you can say about me that I wouldn't say myself. There is a picture. So bold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like your style, you, and you're making me a lot more courageous. So thank you for that. Uh, uh, there is a picture out there of me on, on Facebook uh, where uh, my my Taekwondo buddies back in college uh, put me in a headlock, and uh, and and they have we have this, and we were playing guitar here in my living room, and I don't know what happened, but how it happened, but all of a sudden I was in a headlock, and my arms were wrapped, and I was on the ground, and uh, they pulled down my pants, and I was in my boxers, and we had this really expensive $300 Star Wars lightsaber replica. I mean, it was, it was like one of the like one of the ones that you collect. And they stuck it up my butt and put it on Facebook. Like that is uh that could be easily used to mis uh represent me in the eyes of others because for all, you know, for as much as a public figure figure that I am, I don't have full control of all of the information that is out there from me. You know, I can't control what CNN or MSNBC or Fox might say about me because then again, these these corp, you know, these cable uh, news sources are bought out by who? Government oligarchs. Um, so I don't know. I yeah, it's in it's a it's a weird place to be in to you know, but I don't want people to get the impression that I'm a paranoid crazy guy. I I'm amazingly. Uh, grateful to be alive right now and be in this country and be a part of this community and see this um this this revolutionary technology happen right before my eyes but i, I go into the future uh, always uh thinking about like an idiot i'm always thinking about like the worst what's the worst thing that could happen because you know how i told you earlier like how i'm like i might be sitting at the subway station and i may be thinking all right what, I, what would I do if someone pulled out a knife and started slashing everyone? All right, I would probably uh, either do a spinning sidekick. No, I'd probably run. See what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm thinking about these things because I, I'm, you know, I want to, just like you, I want to live forever. I, I want to see uh, the ends of the universe somehow. Um, but, yeah, perhaps I'm too fixated on that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know, and there's not, it's natural. You know, uh, human beings are scared about anything that could possibly go wrong in their lives. 
things that could possibly, uh, you know, shorten their life or cause them harm. Uh, and, and it's okay for us to be paranoid. Uh, just, just realize that it is just paranoia, uh, that, that it's unlikely that these things are really going to happen to you. And I, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and at this point, take my foil hat off. Uh, <laughs> let me take it off too. Yeah. I don't, I don't really have a need for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, if somebody really wanted to, uh, you know, as we were talking here, I'm just perusing through, uh, some of my Facebook stuff. Um, wow, there's some really embarrassing stuff on here. Uh, but it's on Facebook because I found it humorous and I shared it with the world. And so if the NSA wants to come and, you know, take this picture of me carving up a very, very tiny little cooked bird with a donkey punch t-shirt on, uh, you go right ahead and use that, uh, for whatever devious purposes you have. Hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, I, I, that's probably enough of that subject. Let's talk about something more lightweight. Um, you know, what is, what are your favorite three, three of your favorite video games of all time? Something that they shaped who you are, for example. Um, okay, I'm going to go old school here. Okay. Um, Atari 2600. Uh, I spent quite a bit of time in that uh, on that uh, console. And uh, I would have to say that um, the boxing, uh, Atari 2600 boxing, mm-hmm. uh, where it was kind of a top-down, uh, you had to punch the nose. I spent quite a bit of time playing that game. Um, I guess uh, about a year or two after... Uh, I had gotten kind of bored with the game. My dad bought us a second uh, controller, and it was used. Uh, he had gotten it at a, like a yard sale, and for all I know, the original 2600 was used. I have no idea. We only had like three or four games, um, but we had a second controller, and then he and I would play the boxing at, against each other, but when he wasn't there because he was working so much, uh, I would play against myself using both controllers. How pathetic is that? for uh, nine-year-old Kyle <laughs> to be boxing himself using both controls. Oh, that's okay. We, I mean, we all went through something like that. Yeah, we also had a tennis game that was very similar, uh, and I would play tennis against myself, which, again, super pathetic. Um, okay, so what are the games? Tetris. Uh, game Boy, original Game Boy, green and brown Tetris. Nice. Uh, by by far, I probably spent more time playing that. Even today, to this day, I spent more time playing that game than I think any other game in my entire life. What is it about Tetris that attracts you so much? I have no idea, but <laughs> I'm attracted to it like flies to shit. It is just, it is unbelievable. And I could hear the music from a thousand meters away and go, oh, somebody's playing Tetris. And, and I don't even care what version of Tetris it is. I want to play Tetris all of the time. It is, but it has to be the traditional Tetris. As soon as you start adding like weird other shapes and you know all sorts mm. of weird like bombs and stuff, no, 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 that's not Tetris. Just mm. four lines disappear, boom, done. That's the way it's got to be. Um, let's see, what would be my third game? The original Wolfenstein 3D. Hmm. Classic. Um, yeah, yeah. It was the first game I could cheat on. And uh, I, I remember we had it, um, played it for quite a bit, and um, I remember I was on a bulletin board, a BBS, and somebody had said, look, we've got maps of all of the levels, including where all of the secrets are and everything. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to like totally own this game now. And so I downloaded them, and they were made out of like, you know, it was ASCII and, you know, it's just terrible 
bad mapping and stuff. And the X's represented uh, ammo. A's were ammo and X's were, uh, you know, treasure. And then there was like equals were like where the secret passages were. It was terrible stuff. And uh, man, I played that. And then I found out about the Goobers cheat. And you could do when you typed in Wolf 3D and then you do slash Goobers. And then once you were in the game, uh, you hit control, shift, alternate, backspace, and then that would unlock uh, the different items. And then that, you know, that went into like, um, you know, other id games. So uh, Doom, I remember all the Doom, you know, codes, uh, IDKFA, IDDQD, IDS, PIS, POPD. I remember them all. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Those, those were the games that I played. Um, I'm not even going to tell you anything beyond that because, you know, other than the adventure games like Space Quest and, uh, you know, Willie Beamish, uh, Commander Keen, those were the games I played. <laughs> um, you know, I'm never going to throw out a Call of Duty or a Crisis or anything like that at you because those games don't appeal to me as much. Do you think Tetris could be effectively somehow incorporated with virtual reality uh, unless you know it, it, I, I, in my mind I, it could either be purely at a uh, you know at, at the technolust arcade you'll just go up to it and play tetris there but could it be implemented differently where it's where it takes advantage of the rift's ability to be all immersive Is that see if, if blair puts tetris arcade in technolust I'm screwed because I'll be in there playing all the time. Uh, in terms of an actual VR implementation, um, hmm. it, you know, maybe if it just followed my eyes, mm. you know, and I could blink to rotate and then, you know, look down to make it shrink. I don't know. I'd have to try it before I believe it. Uh, mm -hmm. There's just something about having that control in your hand. Let's, let's let's go back to the rift uh you know yeah, just to sort of finish off the last few minutes like what do you what are what is what's in your wish list of things and features that you would want you know in terms of hardware for consumer version one consumer version two going up to consumer version three um cv1 i want it to look pretty mm. uh i don't want it to just be another iteration of dk one and two and i think it won't be i think it'll be pretty Uh, I want it to have a camera on the front, even if just for pass-through. Um, I don't care much for integrated audio, but it sounds like that's going to happen. Uh, I want a pretty screen. I want lenses that accommodate me without my glasses on. Uh, I want it to be uh, adjustable. I want it to not dig into my nose, uh, which is, again, factor form factor and design. Uh, and I want it to have the ability to... Uh, and, and this is where I'm kind of stretching maybe CV2. Uh, I want it to have the ability to be wireless mm. and, uh, and have some sort of proprietary operating system that will run some things but not all things. Uh, with the Samsung announcement recently, I'm not sure if we'll see that anymore. But, uh, yeah. Uh, CV2, CV3, we're talking 4K, 8K screen, eye tracking, of course. Um, I mean, this is all the same stuff everybody else is going to say. Mm. Uh, I, I want, um, you know, haptic controllers to be included, maybe some sort of glove or something I, that, that I don't have to hold on to that sticks to my hand without me holding it, grasping it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I just want content. Developers, I want content, please. <laughs> yeah, I feel, yeah, that's. Uh, I think we're gonna have our bases covered in terms of 
crossing my fingers in terms of content. Um, what is the ultimate input, you know, for virtual reality? Is it the glove? Is it a controller? What, 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 what's, what do you think? If they're going to give me a glove, it better have haptic feedback. Mm. Uh, if it's going to be a controller, then I don't care because that's what I use now. You know, I can use an Xbox controller right now, uh, but don't expect me to believe that the hands in front of me are me. Uh, if they're going to do some sort of like leap motion type of thing on the front of it and it tracks my hands, great. Uh, but again, um, you know, where's the haptics? So what's the point of having my hands if I can't feel it pushing back? <laughs> you know, if you can't feel it pushing back, what's the sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, then there's always the, uh, you know, the, the suits and, and the, you know, the, the, the Prio VR and then there's STEM and all this stuff. And I think it's going to be close. But, man, I want a glove where if I pick up my phone off my desk, I feel like it's in my hand. And if I can't do that, then I don't want a glove. Mm. Would you ever uh, try or, or would you ever consider using uh, galvanic uh, uh, vestibular stimulators? Uh, just murdered, whatever. But, you know, the ones that you plug into your uh, in the back of your ear and they send electrical signals so that you, you know, have a sense you have a sense of balance along with the VR world. Is that uh, not version one? I'll go <laughs> along with what you said earlier. I'll let version two or so. See, the problem with that is latency. Mm. Um, you know, you, it's just like reading out from your brain. You know, you got a lot of a lot of goo and mush and bone and skin that you got to get through. And um, you know, by the time it reads it or by the time it sends that signal, it's not going to be relevant information anymore. So um, they might be able to do things in a general sense where it's like, here, let me give you a little zap and it'll last a little while. But to get up into the nitty gritty and the specifics of each finger doing whatever, uh, maybe version three. <laughs> uh -huh. What do you think is going to have a, a bigger impact on, on, on the world? Uh, 3D printers or virtual reality? VR. Yeah? Why? Yeah. Um, I, you know, honestly, um, I don't buy all the hype with 3D printers. Hmm. I really don't. Enlighten um, me. It, it's it's, it's kind of weird. Um, I have no desire for a 3D printer because I don't – I can't think of anything that I'd like to 3D print right now. What, what, what should I be 3D printing right now? Oh, man, all I can think about is penises. Okay. Well, I have one of those, so I'm okay in that area. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I would want to 3D print. I mean, if somebody could tell me, like – I mean, okay, obviously anytime you buy a new piece of hardware for the home, it's an investment. Uh, but you expect to, over the course of time, because of the service it provides you, to counterbalance that cost, to, to, to um, add value to your life. Uh, yeah. what, what am I 3D printing here? Let me add um, – Little bunnies, little – you know, I'm not sure. I, I think you – know, taking that route a little bit further, I think that 3D printers could help us – uh, declutter our, our lives uh, because I'm in a room where there's so much stuff and it's just it's 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 almost suffocating to have so much stuff and like I think 3d printers could enable us uh, again uh, rabbit hole uh, to uh, um, 3d print anything at any time uh, and go anywhere at any time and be more mobile not being tethered to uh, a particular place and because i don't you know because i don't i, I, I don't know hmm I, I think 
Huh, there is potential. Well, let, 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 me, let me stop you right there. Think about what a 3D printer does. It takes physical goo, matter, and turns it into other physical goo matter in the shape of something that's supposed to be valuable to your life. So you're telling me you're cluttered. You've got a bunch of stuff. Um, but then just, just, just look randomly at one thing and say, would I be able to 3d print that right now if I needed to? And if I needed it, am I willing to wait 10, 15 hours for it to get finished printing and then trust the integrity of it? Just the same as I, if I could have just run up the store to Walmart and picked it up off the shelf for a dollar fifty. Mm. In terms of that, I think 3D printers long. If it if it's gonna have an impact, I think 3D printers are gonna take a longer time to become ubiquitous uh, because virtual reality is at our doorstep. But the kind of 3D printing that I'm thinking about is the one in which you know it takes 10 minutes to put something out there, and you know not it, it has the ability to uh, make food for you. <laughs> and well, okay, and now we're talking about something totally different, though. The replicator. It, Replicator, I cannot wait for yeah. that. You know, because the first thing I'm going to do, you know what the first thing I want to order off of a replicator is? Please do, tell Earl, me. Earl Grey Cold. Hmm. Just to be ironic. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I, replicators are a great idea. That makes totally good sense. But we're 20 years from that. Uh, but a 3D printer? Yeah, I, I really don't understand the hype behind it. I mean, somebody explained to me why I need a 3D printer, and then I'll consider buying one. Man, I wish I had a better argument for the 3D printer at this point, but I can't think of uh, I can't think of a good one because I'm like you, I'm just like you. I'm uh, I think VR is going to be you know way more influential to. Let, let, let's make a challenge, Chris. Let's make a challenge to your audience. If you can come up with a legitimate reason why Reverend Kyle should buy a 3D printer. Share it with us. I challenge you. I challenge you to justify the cost of the machine and the in the in the in the materials and whatever else software you know interface whatever. You justify it for me. You tell me why I need a three D printer. Let us know. Nice. Uh, well, challenge. Hopefully, it will be accepted by someone out there smarter than me. Uh, please. Uh, so cool. That's yeah. That, I'm I'm with you on that in terms of VR uh, and three D printers. I, I still don't want to dismiss it because I think when VR and 3D printers merge somehow seamlessly, that's where the full potential of 3D printers will be unlocked because I think we will be able to democratize the, you know, the creation of objects. Um, that's why Make VR from, from Six Sense was really exciting for me uh, you know, at, a point, at a point in time because I was like, holy shit, I'm going to be able to like in VR create things and then I'm going to be able to print them out and then sell them on eBay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, or it seems like we're a little bit more far away from that reality, I think. Yeah. Yeah. To me, 3d printing and VR is like saying, you know, I think that bananas and bicycles, uh, belong together. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm way off on that one. Make VR while I'm sure it's great for industrial and art and that kind of stuff. Uh, in everyday world and everyday life, I see no point to it. What is a technology that what what is a technology that you think goes hand in hand with VR? Um, hmm. I, I I think that VR should be used, and again, me just putting my family man hat on, uh, recording experiences in in life. So, uh, where's that jaunt? 
camera that I can stick in front of my the stage while my child does her you know school play mm-hmm. uh, and then I can go back and forever be able to experience that again in VR or for you know I have invalid grandparents who can't make it they can feel like they sat in the, in the audience and watched it live um, I, I think it will become part of our uh, our memories we'll be able to relive you know I, I don't know how many times I've said man if I could go back and relive that day that'd be a lot of fun now I'll be able to do that yeah I, I'm, I'm with you on that and on that note, we are coming to a close. Reverend Kyle, you have been a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. My apologies for bringing you along on this insane journey. I probably, just to, to be frank with you, I've shared the you know my I've shared more fears, and 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 I've shared more hopes with you than with anyone any other of my guests. Um, uh, so thank you for I don't know being so open and have, you know nourishing such a I, I guess insightful and crazy conversation out of me I appreciate well, that well and, and you're welcome and thank you Chris because you know I you know I've talked about I said I can't wait for you to take me down the rabbit hole uh, but I had a conversation with you that I would not have had on my own podcast and for that I thank you for that opportunity uh, well you know how can people stay in touch how can people support you how can people uh follow what you're doing and all that good stuff well uh you can check me out i always post my uh podcast the rev vr podcast uh which i put out almost weekly <laughs> nowadays uh road to vr.com is uh the best place to go for that and all other fun exciting good uh, vr news uh, for the rest of the gang there, Road to VR. Um, you can email me if you feel like it, uh, reverendkjr at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Facebook, or uh, if you really feel like it, you can uh, go to YouTube uh, slash reverendkjr and uh, check out all my YouTube videos. And, you know, if anybody feels like it, you can also go searching for YouTube for other videos that are mine that are not vr or android related i do have a cooking channel out there so uh i challenge you to go out and find that as well awesome uh once again reverend kyle and please follow him uh check out his cooking channel uh you know uh, come up with good ideas as to why 3d printers are relevant to him um you once again you have been a scholar and gentleman thanks so much for your time thank you chris